1: We have a terrific show lined up for you today, including special guest Kathleen Pasadomo. She is the president of the Florida State Senate. She's also our state senator. We'll visit with Boo Mortenson. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And we'll visit with uh, Linda Harden as well, my wife. By the way, it's April the 18th, and uh, it's tax day. you got to make sure that your taxes are postmarked and... Uh, by t- uh, it's 12 o'clock tonight, so uh, that's a big deal if you haven't filed your taxes yet. It's April the 18th, and on this day in 1775, British troops marched out of Boston on a mission to confiscate the American arsenal at Concord and capture Patriot leaders Samuel Adams and John Hancock, known to be hiding in Lexington. As the British departed, Boston Patriots Paul Revere and William Dawes set out on horseback from the city to warn Adams and Hancock and rouse the Minutemen. By 1775, tensions between the American colonies and the British government had approached the breaking point, especially in Massachusetts where patriot leaders formed a shadow revolutionary government and trained militias to prepare for armed conflict with the British troops occupying Boston. In the spring of 1775, General Thomas Gage, the British governor of Massachusetts, received instructions from Great Britain to seize all stores of weapons and gunpowder accessible to American insurgents. On April the 18th, he ordered British troops to march against Concord and Lexington. The Boston Patriots had been pre- preparing for such a military action for some time, and upon learning of the British plan, Revere and Dawes set off across the Massachusetts countryside. They took separate routes in case one of them was captured. Dawes left the city via Boston Neck Peninsula, and Revere crossed the Charles River to Charlestown by boat. As the two co- couriers made their way, Patriots and Charlestown awaited for a signal from Boston informing them of the British troop movement. As previously agreed, one lantern would be hung in the steeple of the Old uh, North Church in Boston and the highest point in the city if the British were marching out of the city by Boston Neck, and two lanterns would be hung if they were crossing the Charles River to Cambridge. Two lanterns were hung, and the armed Patriots set out to Lexington and Concord accordingly. Along with the way, Revere and Dawes roused hundreds of Minutemen who armed themselves and set out to oppose the British. About 5 a.m. on April 19th, 700 British troops under Major John Pitcairn arrived at the uh, town to find 77 men strong colonial militia under Captain John Parker, waiting for them on Lexington's Common Green. Pitcairn ordered the outnumbered patriots to disperse, and after a moment in hesitation, the Americans began to drift off the green. Suddenly, the shot heard round the world was fired from the undetermined gun, and a cloud of musket smoke soon covered the green. When the brief battle of Lexington ended, a handful of Americans lay dead and several others wounded. The American Revolution, of course, then had begun. All on this day, 1775. Well, defending champion Evans Chibet won the Boston Marathon again yesterday, surging from the front at Heartbreak Hill to spoil the much-anticipated debut of world record holder Iliad Kipochi and win the two-hour, five minutes and 54 seconds a race. Can you believe that? Two hours, five minutes and 54 seconds to run 26.2 miles? Just Unbelievable. Helen Obery, a two-time Olympic silver medalist in the 5,000 meters, won the women's race in two hours and 21 minutes and 38 seconds to complete the Kenyan sweep. Scott Fabley, who was the top American, finished seventh in the race, Boston Marathon, 10 years after uh, the explosion and the attack at the end of the race 10 years ago. Well, former Democrat candidate for Governor Andrew Gillum and co-defendant and former campaign advisor Sharon Letman hicks federal corruption trial is set to begin on Monday. Now, it's not clear to me if that was this past Monday or this coming Monday in Tallahassee. Gillum was previously indicted by a federal grand jury on 21 counts for conspiracy, wire fraud, and making false statements. U.S. Judge Alan Windsor is presiding over the case, which is reportedly expected to last about a month. It's alleged that from 2016 to 19, Gillum and Letman Hicks conspired to commit wire fraud by unlawfully soliciting and obtaining funds from various entities and individuals through false and fraudulent promises. The indictment alleges that the defendants used third parties to divert a portion of those funds to a company owned by littman Hicks who then fraudulently provided the funds disguised as payroll payments to Gillum for his personal use according to the Department of Justice. Making false statements has a maximum term of five years, conspiracy to commit wire fraud, 20, and wire fraud has 20. So I've spent the last 20 years of my life in public service and continue to fight for the people, Gillum said, as he uh, lined his pockets with the people's money. Gillum lost to DeSantis by approximately 30,000 votes or 0.4% in 2000, I guess it was 18, wasn't it? So we are so fortunate to have dodged that bullet. Can you imagine him as our governor? And uh, of course, DeSantis has done such a terrific job. Nevertheless, uh, you can see that uh, he's a very dishonest man and uh, he's going to reap what he sowed. Well, House Republicans released a scorching video Monday morning highlighting Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's soft-on-crime policies as soaring crime grips New York City. Just before the House Judiciary Committee held a hearing on crime in the Big Apple, the committee released a video underscoring Bragg's soft-on-crime policies, contrasting his recent charges against former President Donald Trump that made many legal experts have cast doubt upon as purely political. The video shows multiple attacks, news clippings, and local news reports of violent crimes such as stabbings in the metro and the violence against women and children. No neighborhood is safe in New York City right now, said a clip that captures a violent attack. With just days on the job, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg is changing how some crimes will be prosecuted, another clip says. He says he'll stop seeking prison sentences for some criminal charges and will downgrade others, some felony charges. Crime is a major problem in the Big Apple, according to the New York City Domestic Violence Fatality Review Committee. From 2010 to 21 in New York City, there have been 730 domestic violent homicide incidents involving 783 victims. These victims account for 16.7% of all homicides, and that occurred in New York City. Overall, crime soared 22% in New York City last year. As crime soars, uh, Bragg focuses on successfully prosecuting President Joe Biden's political opponent, Biden, uh, Bragg's indictment was historic, as no president or former president has ever been indicted, much less one campaigning for re-election. Bragg's case has not been off to a good start. A federal court on Tuesday denied his request for a temporary restraining order to prevent the House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan from questioning a former prosecutor about Bragg's case against Trump. So it's kind of interesting. He's got to sit there and listen to this. I hope that was painful for him, quite frankly, and I'm talking about Alvin Bragg. Here's just a few of the horrific stories about uh, Bragg and his perverted sense of justice. Speaking through an interpreter, bodega worker, and I'm sure you remember this case, Jose Alba recounted being attacked and stabbed while working one day in July of 2022, defending himself in an act of self-defense and being arrested and charged with second-degree murder. Alva said that on July 1st, 2022, he went to work just like any other day. I took pride in hard work and I put in every day that the story to my earn my own money and support myself and my family. That's when I encountered a true and really uh, real threat to my life. He said uh, on that day he took a woman that she, she could not told a woman she could not have potato chips. She attempted to purchase after her payment was declined. Alba said the woman's boyfriend attacked me violently, threw me around the store. The woman stabbed me herself. I truly believed they were trying to kill me. I did what I knew I had to do to save my life. He said, I stabbed the man in self defense. Alba said that uh, despite being injured, police arrested him and took him to jail. When taken uh, taken before the judge, Alba was told he was being charged with murder in the second degree. Unable to pay bail, Alba was taken to Rikers, Rikers Island, forced into a crowded and unsafe cell and didn't receive any medical care whatsoever. I was forced to endure the harsh conditions on Rikers, Uh, As an innocent man, I still don't know why I was charged with murder. I believe that law enforcement and the DA's office didn't investigate the case fully. They rushed to judgment, and I suffered because of it, Alba said. Alba said that despite the charges being dropped, he was traumatized by the incident and is not working because I'm terrified for my life that someone in the gang will come after me for revenge. Could you imagine living in that state of mind? So sad. Alba called for crime to be addressed on streets by law enforcement and for the courts by prosecutors, and that it has to be aimed at people committing crime, not the innocent man like me, he said. Bragg has uh, downgraded 52% of felonies, and when his office decides to prosecute a case, they only have about a 50% conviction rate. During Bragg's first year in office, the crime index went up 25.57%, Manhattan crime went up 11.73 percent, and murders in Manhattan South Precinct alone went up 40 percent. Harrison noted that over 65 assistant district attorneys have left the office in the first half of 2022. I propose not one dime, one more dime of federal tax dollars be pumped into these organizations until they can produce some measurable outcomes of effectiveness of what they're doing with our tax dollars to protect the public that according to one victim's uh, mother Alvin Bragg needs to be held accountable for his crimes and I think this is the first step is to put him have him participate in this uh, hearing and then further I would like to see the federal government <clears throat> Uh, get rid of complete immunity for district attorneys, there should be some level at which uh, victims of crimes can have their say in court and have penalties, financial penalties, perhaps jail time, for district attorneys who don't enforce the law. I don't know. I'm not a, an attorney. I don't know exactly how to craft that, but I know it can be done. And somehow, some way, these district attorneys who take the law in their own hands need to be held accountable, and they need to have some concern about what they're doing that's hurting the public. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said Monday he will introduce a resolution this week to temporarily replace 89-year-old Senator Dianne Feinstein on the Judiciary Committee while she recovers from shingles. Feinstein has been absent from the Senate since she was diagnosed with shingles, a painful rash caused by the same virus that causes chickenpox. The Judiciary Committee now has 10 members from each party with a 10-10 vote stalling any judicial nominee for President Biden. Schumer said that at a news conference Monday he recently spoke to Feinstein but didn't know when she will return. I spoke to Feinstein just a few days ago. She believes that she will return soon, and she's very hopeful, that, and so am I, Schumer said. We think the Republicans should allow a temporary replacement until she returns <laughs> with all the with all the dishonesty and things that he does, he even he even put it, uh, stabbed his own fellow Democrat in the back, talking about uh, the guy from uh, West Virginia. Democrats need 60 votes to fill Feinstein's seat on the committee because at least two Republicans, Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee and Tom Cotton, said they will block any request from the unanimous consent to seat another Democrat uh, on the committee. So uh, Schumer said he would talk with members of his caucus to figure out who would be a good choice, but I think that's going to be a futile effort. Hopefully, the Republicans will uh, cast aside this request by Schumer, Uh, so uh, Feinstein needs to return in order to have her, her vote in the Judiciary Committee, in my opinion. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Kathleen Pasadomo, the president of the Florida State Senate, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabie's Diner, open from 8am until 2pm, 7 days a week Lulabie's Diner, in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads, stop by Lulabie's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time 4541.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you by, in part, by internationalhealthplans.com. If you're planning on traveling abroad, you should know that uh, most insurance plans, health insurance plans here in the United States, don't cover international travel. So uh, you can, uh, for very short money, for not much money, make sure you can travel with confidence if you get sick or hurt. The website, again, is internationalhealthplans.com. We have with us Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senate president. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Good morning.
1: Well, I guess there's just what three more weeks for the uh, session now in Tallahassee. Yeah,
3: you know it's it's interesting. Um, The the conversations that I have with reporters after our daily sittings are um, around. This seems to be the most most work accomplished in session in living memory. The number of bills, the amount of uh, of large. Scale uh, initiatives that we just were were churning out, unbelievable, and it's true. It's pretty exhausting, but but uh, well worth it.
1: Well, I, I must say, when I what I, little I understand, but I think I understand that it takes an awful lot to get a bill through both chambers and to oh, the yeah. to the governor's desk. So this is just really an amazing accomplishment, a part of on the part of this uh, legislature.
3: Yeah, I, you know, we're very fortunate in that um, I have a the presiding officer in the house speaker renner is uh, just a, a really terrific uh, human being a man of integrity um, and and he and i work very well together uh, we have the same political philosophy the same moral compass you know a lot of uh, our discussions are we agree on so many things so that um, it makes it a lot easier when we're looking at legislation and changes that are made as it goes through the committee process that that we can work together on, and and that really makes a difference. And then, of course, we work extremely well with the governor and his staff, and uh, that also makes it a lot easier. But it is, you know, the governor has so many initiatives that he wants to uh, get across the finish line this session that it's – I think we counted the other day, it was like 38 bills, which is
1: unheard of, unheard of. And and one of them, and I think I read this morning, I might have this wrong, but he's proposing – $1.2 $1.2 billion tax cuts here in the state of Florida for citizens. Uh, all sounding pretty reasonable to me, but my goodness here, most states and uh, most entities, legislative entities, uh, or uh, have are, don't have that kind of money. It's just amazing to me that he's proposing right. that here in the state of Florida.
3: Yeah, I mean, that actually came out of our budget, um, the, uh, both the House and Senate, when we, when we sat down and looked at our tax package. A lot of, um, some of it's short-term. You know, we have ta- sales tax holidays, many of them now, but we're doing some permanent tax cuts on something that I've advocated for for the last 10 years on baby products. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the people who can least afford are uh, young families. So why are we paying a sales tax on on diapers? This yeah. <laughs> is amusing when there's no sales tax on something like Rogaine. So, <laughs> you know, it, does, it doesn't make sense. And those are some of the things that we're doing, um, just across the board. It's really terrific.
1: Well, I'll, I'll point out that uh, most of these cuts, if I, I would suggest, almost all of them, uh, are cuts in regressive taxes. In other words, that you know the poor people get hurt the most by these taxes because right. exactly. of the same amount, whether you're making a million dollars a year or just getting right. by. So exactly. uh, it's it's really helpful, as you're pointing out. Mm-hmm. We should uh, not penalize people who want to have families. We need more uh, kids exactly. here in Florida.
3: That's right. So, you know, we, we're doing a lot of things like that. You know, they don't make as much, uh, uh, press because the press likes to talk about things that they consider to be, you know, like our, um, our, 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 uh, uh, uh transgender, um, bill and things like that. That yeah. is just good policy, but that's, You know, it's sort of a liberal bent against those kind of policies that we're putting in place.
1: Yeah, it's just so interesting to see the liberal press, the donkey press. Uh, trying to put a twist on things in such a way that it makes uh, the governor and the legislature sound like uh, book banning and all that nonsense. It's just incredible. (laughs) Which is not true, absolutely. Definitely not true. So, uh, you know, uh, Louisiana uh, State Representative Jeremy Lacombe switched from the Democrat Party to the Republican uh, yesterday. And now this makes the fourth Democrats switching parties here in the last month. I wonder if there's something afoot here when uh, people are just, I mean, the legislative representatives are saying, you know, no mass, I just can't take this anymore. I can't be supporting these types of agendas.
3: Yeah, I think that's true. There's, it's, it's, um, they have a zero tolerance for, um, you know, anything. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is racist. You can't say anything. You know, we always talk about political correctness. It has gone so far uh, to the left that it, it, you know you can't even say hello to somebody without them calling you racist. It's terrible, and these are the kind of things that that tear us apart. We should yeah. be working together instead of. I mean, and and this house has a huge problem. I mean, we don't so much in the Senate because. Our uh, Democrats are, uh, you know, there's only 12 of them, so they want to work with us so that they can uh, bring back legislation or, or dollars to their districts. But in the, in the House, they just keep throwing down, and it just doesn't make sense. Uh, we all should be working together. We really should.
1: Well, that's exactly right. I'm with this uh, divisive politics the identity politics and so forth uh, mm-hmm. i it, it cuts off dialogue the, the right. uh, legislative body should be deliberative bodies it seems to that's me right. that the more you can have dialogue the more consensus that you can build the better it's going to be for florida citizens
3: that's right instead of uh, uh you know making talking points to get on tv which is what a lot of them
1: do yeah well so, do you yeah. think any uh, well I, i'm asking you to uh, opine about. Do you think there's any uh, Democrats right here in Florida that might be thinking about changing parties?
3: Uh, no, I, not that I've heard. Uh, uh. They wouldn't tell me, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess I guess not, at least until the yeah. deal is done. Again, exactly. Ka- Kathleen Pasadena, uh, our state senator and Florida State Senate president, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well, Kathleen. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. We're going to find out what's new with Boo, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Come back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host,
1: Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo, Boo Mortensen, right here on the Paradise Coast. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Boo. And, well, you know how
2: I always like to find unusual things to talk about, or things that are, because that kind of fits with my personality? (laughs) Well, there are six six famous American landmarks, and each one has a secret. I'm going to tell you what the secrets are.
1: Well, that sounds pretty interesting.
2: Okay, the first one is the Empire State Building. Uh-huh. It is advertised as having 102 floors, but it really doesn't. It has 103 floors. But the the 103rd floor is ultra thin and it only has a knee-high railing and it is an ultra exclusive hotspot for the rich and famous.
1: Huh. Well, so it's very thin, you say. So why why do the rich and famous want to go to the hundred and third floor?
2: Uh, because not everybody can, oh. and you just stay on the balcony and uh, and enjoy the, uh, I guess the views, the jaw popping views, uh-huh. and I guess it's very restrictive the access to it. Well. Okay, the next one is the St. Louis Arch in St. Louis,
1: uh-huh.
2: the Gateway Arch. Sure. In 1965 they put a time capsule in it. And the time capsule contains the signatures of more than 700,000 citizens of St. Louis. And it's permanently welded to the arch.
1: You know, I there I there I think there's a lot of buildings and uh, things, when, when they're when they completed, they have time capsules in them. I, th- I think one of them might be the uh, Brooklyn Bridge, if I'm not mistaken. That's kind of interesting.
2: Well, I have some interesting stuff about the Brooklyn Bridge. That's one. Now, you know, Grand Central Terminal in New York? Uh-huh. Okay, I don't know. A million people go through it each day. And it was owned exclusively by a wealthy an immigrant, and on top of the Central Terminal is a tennis club with tennis courts.
1: Really? Yep. I had no idea. Does it still exist there?
2: It does. In 1984, Donald Trump purchased it and, of course, turned it into a luxurious locale for celebrities. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, uh, you can rent...
1: Boo, are you there?
2: Now it's called... Now it's called Vanderbilt Tennis.
1: No kidding. Well, that's yep. just... and
2: most employees don't even know it exists.
1: Wow. That's just another thing Letitia James can go after Donald Trump for.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if he still owns it, but he redeveloped it uh, in 84. Uh, Lincoln Memorial. There is a huge, full cave, cave, C-A-V-E, beneath memorial.
1: Huh. And what's the purpose of the cave?
2: I I tights in it, and people in the nineteen seventies workers found it in the nineteen seventies when they were digging out an elevator shaft. Uh huh. And they found it, and it has graffiti, and it has one hundred and twenty-two supporting columns, and you can go down there and view the original graffiti that were written during World War 1 and they were made by an unidentified construction worker
1: makes it makes me wonder if it's not the original man cave
2: probably like a TV TV in a refrigerator in a barca lounger
1: <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny
2: all right now the fifth the Brooklyn Bridge and you said you thought that there was something in the Brooklyn Bridge
1: maybe a time capsule
2: nope there
1: are two full wine cellars two full I'm sorry you broke up a little bit each,
2: I'm sorry there were two full wine cellars
1: oh in the Brooklyn Bridge
2: yep in the base of each one one on each side of the river
1: well that's kind of a fascinating fact now what's, is there a story behind that
2: <clears throat> uh it was it built to help finance the bridge and he rented the guy that that uh, uh developed the or built the um, wa- the Brooklyn Bridge
1: uh-huh.
2: uh it generated profit for the city of New York until prohibition Now New York has ownership of the cellars and now they're just they're dry They were built initially as wine cellars
1: Uh-huh
2: and if you had the money, extra wine there.
1: Sounds like there's an opportunity for revenue for the city of New York. I mean, they're they're desperate for revenue, anyhow. So, uh, so they're just sitting there idle; they're not being used at all.
2: Nope, they're empty. Yeah. Wow. Yep. What a waste. Uh, and the last one is Disneyland has a secret members-only club. Really. That yeah, it's called Club Thirty Three it costs anywhere from 25 to 100,000 to get initiated and 30,000 in annual membership dues after that there's a 6-year waiting list
1: no you're kidding i would imagine that everything's free after you pay your annual dues
2: <coughs> you know so and it's the only place wherever this club is located that serves alcohol on disneyland
1: no kidding well, that's yeah. pretty pretty fascinating. How many members do they have?
2: Uh, I don't know.
1: Uh-huh. Well, that's pretty darn interesting. It
2: doesn't say. It. Yes, it's very very exclusive, and it's um, invite only.
1: You know, that's so fascinating. I had a friend uh, who you know, uh, he basically took his family up to Disneyland, and he only told me he spent after after uh, four days at Disneyland. Fifteen thousand dollars.
2: I bet that's what I spent when I took my family up there in October.
1: Is that right? Holy moly! Yeah, I mean, that's uh, it's amazing what the American public is willing to spend. Although right now uh, the Disney Company is starting to leak a lot of a lot of money. They, as I understand it, they've lost a quarter of a billion dollars in their last two movie productions.
2: You know, I'm not surprised. I mean, when was the last time you went? I'm a huge moviegoer. I love to go to movies. Hmm. I don't even know. It's been three years since COVID. and People don't go to movies anymore.
1: No. Well, of course, and there's so much good entertainment on television right now with Netflix and some of the other outlets where there's no commercials. It's really outstanding. Uh, And, uh, of course, uh, Linda and I both enjoy sports so much. (laughs) This is a great time of year for baseball, hockey, uh, basketball, uh, you just name it. It's just really wonderful. So all, not a lot of time left to watch uh, watch movies.
2: No the problem, is, you know, Netflix and all this streaming, and eventually you wait long enough and you can watch the, the most current movies at home on TV.
1: That's exactly right. Now, I read this morning that uh, Governor DeSantis wants to build uh, a, a penitentiary <laughs> near near disneyland (laughs) the battle continues oh my god (laughs) the battle continues between desantis and the disney company
2: well he's a pitfall he won't back down i don't think
1: no he i would suggest uh it's uh like uh donald trump said if you go uh woke uh, everything uh, when you go woke, everything turns to crap. He, he didn't use the word crap, but I think you get the idea. Uh, and yeah. I, and you know, and uh, look what happened to Anheuser busch My goodness, I, I think it doesn't take much to destroy a brand, does it?
2: Is that they use that transgender to promote their product, and people stop. Dead in their tracks from buying it, and said, "Nope, we're not going there."
1: Well, you know, it's not just uh, Bud Light; it's also they have a number of uh, alcohol uh, products that they produce, and uh, yeah. I'm, uh, the, uh, one that I enjoy is called uh, Shock Top, uh, which is a, a, a draft beer. And uh, I'm not, I'm not by purchasing anything from the Anheuser-Busch company again.
2: No. <clears throat> I read somewhere i don't I don't know exactly, but they people they're you know they used to sell i don't know how many millions of barrels of beer and all oh, their people have said no,
1: yep, we're not
2: gonna promote a company that pulls this stuff well you know i it- I like it personally.
1: Well, you know, uh, quite frankly, I, uh, when you think about anheuser Bush before all this happened, you thought about Clydesdales and Great Christmas. Yep, America. America, just all these wonderful thoughts. And uh, uh, just with one stupid decision, they've uh, tarnished the brand, hopefully not ir- un- irrecoverable. I hope, I hope they're able to do something to get it back, but they've done a lot of damage. Yes,
2: they have. You know, it's not, it's not an American-owned company anymore, right?
1: I didn't know that.
2: No, some, what is it, I am, can't, uh are our, say, Denmark company, European company that uh-huh. bought Anheuser-Busch.
1: I did not know that. Well, the plot thickens. Again, uh... Uh, Boo Mortensen, uh, former radio personality, by the way, in uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. And now down here, and we're just so fortunate to have your most entertaining narrative. And uh, so, Boo, I really (laughs) appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. It's
2: always quirky. You bet. Have a great day, Bob.
1: You as well. Thank you, Boo. All right. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: For more of the Bob Harden Show, here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob
1: Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more, get tickets for the next performance, just visit the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. Seaton, so tell us about less government.
4: Yeah, we existed in size government sphere of influence, of government, and we're heading in the wrong direction.
1: Well, you're not, but the rest of the country seems to be, and it's, <laughs> it's quite alarming. Uh, you wrote a piece. Oh, I, I,
4: I headed south, so yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: So, Seton, uh, you wrote a piece in less Government, Deeply Flawed Broadband Map. Uh, government is awful at everything. And, you know, it's. I thought about it. I think you're right. Maybe you could tell us about it.
4: Well, this has been a hobby horse of mine. I, I revisit it every time something new and stupid happens. Um, the other day, a press release came out from two Republican senators patting themselves on the back for demanding that Congress update and it's their press release, quote deeply flawed broadband map. Now what this is is the government doesn't have any good information or very little good information on where in the country we have high-speed internet and where we don't. Now it's a whole other thing of how they define high-speed broadband internet. The government doesn't count your cell phone As as an internet connection because they're corrupt and they want to inflate their, oh, they want to deflate the number of people connected so they can inflate their programs.
1: Right. You know what I'm saying? Yes, of course.
4: Um, By pretending that your cell phone isn't an internet connection when, of course, it is. But anyway, they don't have a map of where, you know, people have access and people don't for, for hardline broadband. Now, of course, with 5G, you're going to have a gig of speed per second up and down, meaning upload and download. Mm -hmm. So hardline broadband is going to become a thing of the past. So shocker, the government is spending hundreds of billions of dollars on, you know, what's becoming a dinosaur technology. Right. Uh, All that being said, they're supposed to have a map that shows them who has access and who doesn't so they know where to waste the billions more efficiently. (laughs) You know, so you don't overbuild over existing, you know, areas that have existing service in the private sector. Uh, You don't want the government parachuting in and, you know, competing against the private companies that are already providing service. Well, these two senators are patting themselves on the back to try to clean up some of the mess from the $65 billion they spent they voted for in that stupid infrastructure bill yeah so after the fact after they vote on 65 billion knowing they don't have a map now they're trying to say salvage some of that money after the fact by proudly proclaiming we're going to update the map well they've been talking about updating the map since they first started spending money on government broadband Uh, At least as far back as the 1996 Telecommunications Act is the first time they they converted an old FDR, World War pre-World War II program called the Lifeline Program, which was originally for rural people to get a landline telephone. And then, of course, the landline telephone became a dinosaur. So rather than getting rid of the program, they shifted it. And I don't know if you, you remember the Obama phone, Bob?
1: Of course. Absolutely.
4: Yes, that's part of the Lifeline program, too. it's completely wrought with fraud and abuse and, you know, all of that. And that was, that was added to the Lifeline program. And then they added hardline broadband to the Lifeline program. Because no, go- no government program ever dies. It just gets bigger. And so, you know, there's a tax on, your, on everybody's phone. You can look it up. It's the Universal Service Fund, USF. In quarter one of 2023, that tax rate was, I think, 32.6%.
1: Holy moly. That's unbelievable. It's just- and all
4: that money is <clears throat> going into this connection, internet connection fund. And again, just now in April of 2023, they again say, we need to, we don't have any idea what we're doing, where we're aiming this money because we don't have a good map of who needs service. So we spent hundreds of billions of dollars with no map. Now Congress passed a law that Trump signed in 2020, saying we need to fix the map, we need to update the map. But the bill contained no money to update the map.
1: Yeah. So, so see-
4: they issued a mandate, but no money. You gave, gave no money. And the FCC chairman at the time, Chief Pai, came out and said, uh, "We need money to do this. We can't just do it magically." And and so. This has been a problem for now almost 30 years, at least. It probably predates 1996, but that was the furthest back I could find. So we're talking almost 30 years of the government spending money to connect people, and they don't have a map that tells them who's connected and who isn't.
1: That's just amazing. See, now it reminds me of the old adage, uh, uh, we've got the solution, uh, but what's the problem? (laughs) They've they've created, the way you've described this, they created the problem, uh, the fact of the matter is that uh, everybody's connected because of uh, uh, the uh, wireless connections that people cell have. Phones. Yeah. Cell
4: phones. Have, cell phones have been a miracle. And and, I, and just on a personal geek moment for me, I met the female engineer who figured out how to connect cell phones to the Internet. Wow. And that that, that for me was, uh, you know, that was a pretty cool moment. Her name is Susie Armstrong. She's a very smart lady, and it was just cool to meet her. But, yeah. And again, remember, the government doesn't count that as an internet connection.
1: (laughs) Unbelievable. Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of less government. And by the way, uh, Seton now is living in uh, Belize and enjoying the wonderful life there.
4: Formerly British Honduras until 81.
1: I did not know that. That's interesting. So life is good down there?
4: Yeah, it was a British colony. They They carved it out of Guatemala.
1: That is so interesting. Well, I hope politics are down there are better than they are here.
4: Well, the, go- the government's as corrupt, but it's smaller.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs>
4: yeah. yes, it's, it's orders of magnitude smaller, so the corruption is less affecting uh, your day to day life.
1: Yeah. Seton, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Refer our listeners to your website, lessgovernment.org. Lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
4: Appreciate it, Bob. Thank
1: you. My pleasure, indeed. By the way, uh, from Wednesday through Saturday at Lulabee's Diner, they're serving uh, dinner. They have great breakfasts and lunches, but now serving dinner from 4 to 8 p.m. Wednesday through Saturday. And the menu's just terrific. They've got some great uh, uh, comfort food, but also snapper. I had grouper uh, last week. It was just really wonderful. So uh, if you want a nice casual dinner – you don't have to get up, dressed up or anything like that, and the, the prices are very mild, but the food is just fantastic. Luluby's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Okay, coming up, Linda Harden, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. They get the politics and know the policy. They prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in the uh, state legislatures. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org, thefga.org. We have with us Linda Harden, not only my wife, my beautiful wife, but also extremely knowledgeable of what's happening around the world. Linda, thank you so much for joining us.
5: I'm trying to save the world.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're doing a pretty good job. job. By the way, we watched uh, Tucker Carlson's show last night. Very interesting. Never disappoints. Very interesting interview with... uh, Elon Musk. Part one. Part two is tonight. Tonight? Yep, part two is tonight. Oh, well, outstanding. Uh, Just for our listeners' benefit, any comments at all? Well, it... About about the information?
5: It's all over social media. It's a big, 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 big deal. Um, Everybody's... Everybody's re... Playing it on all social social media because it was such a big deal and I think I think one of the reasons well, I know one of the reasons is because this former head of Google is trying to make a, a, a artificial intelligence God and yeah. and he doesn't even and he doesn't even care about the impact whether it be good or evil well we know it's not good and Elon Musk um, said that he parted company with this guy because of of his of, uh, his uh, nefarious intent
1: so uh in my mind it was so interesting to listen to him talk and really experience how he thinks about various things but also uh his comments on ai what i didn't realize is how deep he was into he actually started a not-for-profit that was exploring a not-for-profit a decade ago or more right and uh and also just he's just such an interesting man and then uh, his experience with twitter as well he had so many interesting comments i just i I would just encourage our listeners to uh take a look at tucker carlson tonight again just a great show what's interesting about this is that he's uh the most listened to and most watched show by democrats (laughs) young people ages uh, 25 to 54 so by
5: the way um Yes, that's that's all true, but it just um, underscores how important it is for people to run, not walk away from Google. Yeah, and uh, and you know we yeah. we ditched Google as our search engine a long time ago and went to DuckDuckGo. and there are other search engines to go by, but but Google is not is not good for you. No, it's, it's certainly
1: not. not. Uh, again, you uh, know. You're the product, by the way. When you use Google, they're selling every <laughs> they're selling everything they know about you to others. So uh, it's- and that
5: and that includes Google Chrome and all of that stuff that's attached to Google. I mean, yeah. just if you if you want to do your own homework, look look up what and not on Google, by the way, but yeah. change your search engine to DuckDuckGo and look about all the,
1: the stuff they're involved with. It's downright frightening. Yeah, it is indeed. So uh, I understand that Robert Kennedy, F. Kennedy Jr is going to announce his candidacy officially, was it tomorrow? Tomorrow.
5: Yeah, and it's going to be really interesting to see how quickly... Well, they've already started throwing him under the bus, and they've started throwing his wife under the bus. Now, who's they? Uh, uh, the Democrats and, and anybody associated um, with uh, the FDA, CDC, or NIH, because, as you know, yeah. in Robert F. Kennedy's book, The the Real Anthony Fauci, he absolutely excoriated all these um, organizations that, yeah. they, that they have done nothing but harm uh, the American people for years yeah. and um, and they're afraid the deep state, the Democrats um, I, I you know Adam Schiff, all these people are just going oh he's you know he's a, he's a conspiracy theorist, racist, all this stuff I mean all the, the, the known names that they want to label people
1: with and So is- I don't have the statistics here in front of me but I, I, I read that uh, something like about 70% of the people want him to run against uh, Joe Biden, of course, for the uh, Democrat nomination. So it doesn't mean they'll necessarily uh, vote for him. But to me, I think that's very encouraging. I- I've read the book. You've read the book, uh, <clears throat> The Real Anthony Fauci. So much great information. It's like a textbook. And he is, Robert Kennedy is so knowledgeable about so many things uh, that the American people, quite frankly, are have been misinformed about. And they call him an anti vaxxer He's not an anti-vaxer, but he's against this uh, vaccine for the uh, COVID nineteen, and uh, for good reasons. By the way, we were
5: talking off air about about um, all the vaccines and all the stuff that they've been pushing on the American people for so long. Yeah. But in one of the the videos that I saw with him with Tucker from two thousand seventeen, I believe it was, and and he said to your point, I'm I'm not an anti-vaxer. When I was little. Um, my mother saw to that i got three vaccines measles mumps chickenpox. right yeah, yeah now kids are getting over 60 vaccines shot into their body yeah and 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 did we ever see anything like um um what autism autism uh uh su- wait wait sudden death, infant death syndrome yeah all this stuff that is that has bubbled up over the years and and nobody has connected the dots until Robert F Kennedy Robert e.
1: F Kennedy certainly has and the, i i'm making these numbers up right now cuz i don't know them specifically but the le- rate of autism back in when we were kids was something like 4% or 3 or a very minuscule yeah, teeny number tiny. now it's up to like it's exploded it's exploded so uh, that he believes is because of vaccines that and the mercury in vaccines is just a number of and it's it's not just that, but as you mentioned, uh, infant uh, death syndrome. So
5: infant death syndrome, by the way, they're they're attributing um, vaccines um, to cancers, to mm-hmm. Alzheimer's, to dementia, to uh, neurological, all sorts of neurological um, uh, malfunctions and and we we even know of people who have have suffered from
1: from these things. yeah we have indeed. I just uh, we have a friend that just had two stents put in his leg. Uh, just uh, to replace stents that had already been put in his leg, and uh, this following. Well, these two
5: were put in, up here. Oh, they were in his chest. In his chest. other were, were put in his leg, but but now they people are waking up to the fact that oh, by the way, it was right after I got the booster. And we have another friend who who had um, water on the brain, and 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 then she had, um, she had blood clots, and yeah. um, now she's a tri- and had to have stents put in, and now she's attributing it to. The vaccine, so people are waking up, but there are a lot of people who are still. Yeah. Well,
1: you know, the the American population, the global population, has uh, put the stuff in their bodies. I, I'm guessing about 65 percent here in the United States, 35 uh, percent haven't, and uh, the consequences that we don't know. In fact, we don't know what the consequences are. We know short term, people have lost their lives, they've had problems. What's it going to be long term?
5: Well, no, I, it's it's frightening by the way and and um I was reading something else uh which has been confirmed that Anthony Fauci um encourages people who have died of covid not to have autopsies. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. And nothing, we were we Nothing were t- to see here. We were talking to <laughs> t- we were talking to our um to our friend um uh who's a waitress at one of our favorite restaurants the other day and and her mother. Yeah. Remember, her mother got the shot, and she's having horrible um, problems Reactions. with 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 the with the uh, spike protein.
1: Yeah. So I, I really appreciate your staying on top of these issues. It's just so important. There,
5: by the way, it's it's hard because there is a fire hose of information coming out, and that's at the low side. Between that, between the intelligence leak from from this young man who found out all this. Stuff that was really going on the truth in the Ukraine war. I mean it''s, it's the, the, the left is playing wack-a-mole, yeah. trying to cover up all this stuff because it's coming out at such high high speeds and and to keep track of it, um, I'm doing the best I can.
1: So uh, to quote Mark Twain, he once defined patriotism as supporting your country at all times, and your government when it deserves it. Right now, the government doesn't deserve too much support. It's unbelievable. Oh,
5: oh by the way, Deb, I'm sure you mentioned it, that Governor Mark Milley is quietly retiring in the fall. And and um,
1: You mean the uh, Joint, Chiefs Joint Chiefs of, of Staff? Yeah, Staff guy. He,
5: he's quietly going away, probably, quote-unquote, to spend more time with his family, which right, is the usual. Right.
1: To really get catch up on white rage. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Linda, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining You're us. You're welcome. All right. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got terrific guests for tomorrow's show as well, so I hope you'll tune in. If you enjoy the show, I hope you'll tell your friends and let them know because that's one of the way we build our audience and reward our advertisers. Who we couldn't do the show without them. We just really appreciate it. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>